Hey, what's up, everyone? It's your host, Sylvie Dewey from the Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast. And, geesh, can you imagine? January is almost over and February is here. I have this sinking feeling that this year is absolutely going to fly by based on what's gone on already. Do you feel the same or what? So... This is pretty exciting leading into February, which is going to lead into our big celebration for our 200th episode, which is going to be on March 11th. I'm so excited. I cannot believe it. But here's the thing. We have decided or I have decided to. There's no we here, actually. I have decided to giveaways every week. So we're going to be giving away a prize to a lucky listener on Friday. And what I've done is I've actually partnered with some of my guests that have been on the podcast who have either physical products or um, sell other wholesale products on their store. And we've collaborated and we're going to be doing a little exchange just to get more of you guys actually looking at them and just giving out some really cool cycling gear. So I hope you're super excited about that because I am. Um, So here's the thing. This is how you can win. First, you need to go stop and go to Apple podcast and write a review. So that's number one. Number two, while you're there, leave a five-star rating and then follow the podcast on social media, on um, Instagram. But here's the thing. When you go to write your review, please put down your Instagram handle because I did challenges before where I was giving away prizes for reviews and some people put these names down that I could never find them anywhere. So if you want to be found for a giveaway, then please make sure you write your Instagram handle as part of your review. Thank you. So then I can find you. Now, that being said, I have two grand prizes that are going to happen on the 20th episode day. Now, the first one is going to be given out to one of the winners of our weekly draws. The next one, I'm going to go into everybody who's put in their reviews, and I want to thank you in advance, and I'm going to pull a winner from there. And so that's how it's going to work. So make sure you follow the podcast because I'm going to be talking about this a lot. And that's where I'm going to put all the posting for the winners. Next, remember, a review and rating. You have to be have all three of those things done to be um, recognized for the draw. So with that, I hope you have an amazing day. And I just want to give you a little heads up. If you went in and got some of my free downloads before, I put a new cycling snacks um, PDF in there to try for some different things for your training and your riding. So with that, have an amazing day. You be amazing. And I'll see you in the podcast. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. 
I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, welcome everybody back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dow here sitting in Chelsea, Quebec, Canada. And we're talking to Joanie Caron, who is sitting in Vancouver. So another amazing Canadian athlete here. So Joanie, um, and I found her on Instagram, funny enough. And I know that she's been around because she's cross paths with some of the other uh, guests that I've had on the episode. But Joanie started cycling at the age of 20 to maintain fitness following an injury in track and field. A veteran individual rider on the pro circuit, she decided to undertake a new challenge in 2015 as a pilot. So we've talked to Evelyn Gagnon, who is a pilot as well. They know each other. And so we're going to dive into that. But before... She is also a former Olympic cyclist who has competed professionally for uh, over 10 years on the road, both in the U.S. and Europe. She is one of the few who competed at the highest level in three disciplines, so road track and cyclocross, but specialized in a road sprinter. In addition to her cycling career, Joanie has a master's degree in exercise physiology, where she studied VO2 and HR. Uh, HR. What's that? Heart rates. Oh, God. <laughs> I usually see the, the T at the end, like for heart rate. Heart rate <laughs> kinetics. <laughs> she has been uh, helping cyclists of all levels, from beginners to national champions, on a uh, in various settings, from one-on-one support to managing and creating their own high-level uh, cycling programs in her spinning studio in Vancouver. So welcome, Joanny, to the podcast. I'm so excited because I've got lots of things to ask you. Hi, Sylvie. Uh, thank you for the great introduction. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited for you here. So the first thing I always ask is how did you get into cycling after that track and field accident? Exactly. Oh. So you had, uh, you know, a bit of um, had some some good information in regards to that. I was a track and field runner, distance runner from eleven to eighteen, pretty much, and uh, I got to a pretty good level, won a provincial championship, several distance and cross country. Um, I had a really good club growing up, and. Then I got an injury, I got a few recurrent injuries, and I was determined to uh, return to running after, you know, after the injury. So I took on uh, cycling to keep my fitness. I had an old mountain bike, and I would go in all the small villages uh, outside Rimouski and all the hills and the farm. Oh, and oh you're and from Quebec. Yes. I should have known, like. The accent. Part of <laughs> like Ramuski, I'm like, oh my god. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the one and only. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I um, I took on cycling. I had a few friends who were racers, and I was just um, fascinated by that the whole world. Um, I would train on that old that heavy mountain bike and do some pretty good distance with it, but I could see the um, you know the the speed. I loved everything that I could see about road cycling, from from the bike to the uniform to the, uh, the <laughs> whole world of, of cycling was it was fascinating to me. And um, then I had the idea that okay, maybe I will do triathlons and I will I will go back to running. And I kind of like <laughs> cycling, so maybe I could plan this like. We'll worry about the swim later, kind of thing. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> swim. and I realized that I really, I really loved cycling. And uh, then I started to, uh, I joined a club, which was the Centre du Bicycle Saint-Foy in Quebec. And um, before university, I moved like two or three months to Quebec before. So like the whole summer, pretty much to learn the ropes of uh, road cycling and racing. And I trained pretty much five days a week with that club and I got, I got hooked. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm 19, I'm 20. Uh, I always wanted to be an athlete and, and compete at the highest level. So what's the fast track <laughs> to, um, to the professional level. So from the beginning, <laughs> I was like, okay, I love racing, I love cycling. How can I become a pro cyclist, pretty much? Mm -hmm. yeah. so oh, my God. So, yeah, so I got into it. Okay. So you got into it. So you're still in that club, and that's, yes. and that's how they got you into So how did you – did you – well, okay, you would have missed, like, all the junior racing and everything. Yes. You would have to go like after, straight to senior one too. After junior. And like, I wish I had maybe one year, <laughs> year to be honest. Yeah, um, I bet. <laughs> I started straight elite. And at the beginning, like I remember my first races, we were racing with, racing with the master, master B men yeah. and the junior boys sometimes. So junior men's. Um, so there were some pretty, pretty fast, uh, speed to start with. Um, I, you know, I didn't know any difference. So I race with these guys. And that's that's what it is. It's got to be faster and, <laughs> and quicker. <laughs> so I trained with that club, and it was a really good structure because we had um, weekly races. You know, we had the crit criteriums in in Saint Augustine. We had sometimes another road race elsewhere uh, we had weekly time trial workouts with the club and we would all go to the races um you know from quebec to montreal would all drive together so uh, mm. that club team atmosphere with both men and women was uh very enjoyable and uh that helped me really fall in love with the sport and being around other athletes i was like okay i can i can faster i can improve i can uh, you know spend more time riding with these guys and become the cyclist that i want to be pretty much yeah 
stick with them and then you'll get to your goal. Exactly. <laughs> if you can survive there. Yes. Pro. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I just remember coming back from my first long endurance rides. Uh, in Quebec, there's a lot of hilly rides going to Valcartier, what we call uh, Les Écailles, and, and coming back and sleeping the whole afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's all I got for, for today. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so uh, I was with the club Saint-Foy. And the year after, I joined uh, a club that I was called Elysique with Jean-Yves Labonté. So okay. that's another, you know, iconic uh, iconic character from, from the cycling world in Quebec City. And that was pretty much the Garneau Junior men's team. Uh, with myself and another woman we trained with and then after I got uh, I got to race with Cascades and I got into some US okay I, I early on I got into provincial teams and uh, national team development projects but then mm -hmm. uh, I got in 2007 I got into uh, a small team based in the US and I got exposed to more races in Mm. such as uh, you know San Dimas, Redland, Joe Martin and uh, that, that was it after I just kept going and took every opportunity <laughs> that that came my way and uh, focused on that. Wow so you had you had great luck and moving around quickly yes. from Canada so you're with Cascade. I remember I that. Cascade. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which was a fantastic program that was for junior like for what for like it was like a junior program but like yeah it was a development 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 women's program oh, okay so it's uh, yes yeah so you know i would say development from a broad um, perspective in the sense that like you know, all ages yeah, all ages we had, you know, I remember some very talented racers that came from different backgrounds, uh, like bike courier, bike messenger, and uh, wow. they got into the team and they were really good cyclists. So, but they were, you know, over 35, 40 at the time, and uh, they got they got in the team. So it was for to create opportunities for women to race and uh, provide the support that they need to maybe make it to the next level. Mm -hmm. So the other thing we were very, we were fortunate at the time. Uh, I don't know if you were around these races, but we had the Tour Montreal, we had the World Cup, and also had the Tour of uh, PEI, which was you know the stage race just following Montreal. So we had- I remember that one. It didn't yeah. last very long. Then, unfortunately, we had some amazing racing opportunities in, in Canada yeah. and Coast. That, that helped a lot. Yeah, that, I remember that race because I was at Charlevoix stage race and all the girls were there. So all the senior one, two, and I was racing senior one, two that year. And none of them were at Charlevoix. And I'm like, where is, everybody was racing in PI. And then. Where's everybody? <laughs> I know, but hey, but you know what? The, and I came first, my TT as a senior one too. I'm like, just a second. 
this would not have happened if like you know like all these girls like yourself were here but i'm like frig i'll take it and where is the win right i win as a win because i'm like what i like i got me and then i got third in my crit and then like i just survived the road race and so i i i took an overall but i was just i remember that i'm like oh my god yeah (laughs) all the good girls are gone that's a great opportunity right yeah good yeah it was funny i was just like i'll never forget that but um so so where did you race in the u.s and how long were you there yeah so i never really lived like in the u.s full-time sort of thing but uh, my first team was uh colorado premier training in 2007 and it was a you know it was a small team that uh didn't last very long. It was a, mm. you know, one guy, sports director, who runs everything and wants to create a women's program. And uh, <laughs> it, it lasted half a year. And then I jumped. Uh. That was my first uh, experience. But yeah, I got to spend two months in Boulder training and Boulder doing some training and then racing San Dimas, Joe Martin. Yes, and he missed all the, the California early season races, then all the Arkansas block. I was also a guide um, at in Virginia at the time at the oh, cool. So I it was the you know that year was such an opening. I got to train in the best places, enjoy mm-hmm. the riding with my my friends, amazing people, do tons of volume in the hills. And I showed yeah. up in season in the best fitness I have ever been. Yeah. And um, and then the team stopped, but I had all this great um, miles and training. So uh, this is where I joined Cascades uh, for the second portion of the year. Oh, and okay. I stayed maybe two years uh, with with Cascade, and then I. Um, and we had a you know a really good program at the time. Then I joined a call a name a team named Nano Bleu, Nano based, yeah, based on a, in Ontario. And oh. the team uh, Nano Bleu that was in 2010 became Juvederm, which was UCI in 2011. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. That was. A super team again. Um, Lex Albrecht, Dennis oh Rathen, uh, Veronique Lavante, uh, Mariah McGregor, Jane True. We had a really good, strong Canadian team that was UCI. Was Were you lot. coached by Jenny too, or did you race with Jenny? I raced with Jenny, yeah. Oh, and okay. Cause... We were the two sprinters of the team. Okay. Uh, and Jenny, unfortunately, had a, an injury early on, but uh, you know, she was my friend, and I was really looking forward to uh, be teammates and um, just friends with her. Um, but that, you know, that team was—it uh, was a kind of a dream coming true. We had a Canadian UCI team. Uh, we raced mm-hmm. in the U.S. and we did some racing in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, around that time, I was covering the U.S. program with trade teams, like with Nanobrew and Twitter. Um, I, I was doing the team program, and I also was doing the national team, uh, as many national team projects that I, I could. So I would go for a big spring block in, in Europe, so Flesh yeah. London, all these classics, and uh, try to go back in, in July, August for a few more stage races. Um, at the time, so like really packed seasons, um, a lot of stage races, lots of road races. Um, and then after this, what kind of started to happen is that the crits uh, became more popular. In a sense, there mm -hmm. started to be some, some crit teams. So 2012 was a bit of a transition year. I raced with Palavita, um, more stage races. So I think, right. again, covering both national team program and um, U.S. domestic races. And then I switched to, like, more crit teams, um, a more crit-specific sort of program right. before getting into Parasite. So, so, but, I mean, crits are way different than long-distance long stage racing. Yes. That must have been a huge transition for you, you physically. Yeah. Training-wise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I had a really good endurance, a really good base. Um, the, the crit scene was not as developed as it is now. So there were few crit specialists, but mostly at the time, it was, uh, you know, it was a few road racers getting into crits. Um, mm -hmm. I think I had a bit of a an advantage at the time because of all the races and, and right and this experience. Exactly, I would say nowadays and the past three to five years, it's uh, the game is completely different. Uh, really, eh? Yeah, it's it's crits. Crits have become so much more important. And uh, no way, really. I would think so because of the show and, and also the prize oh. money involved. Um, and a lot of um, attraction uh, factor. Um, but I would say, from my perspective, those years have been a bit of a switch, also in cycling in general, where like there were before, like stage races were like gold and, and crit were kind of a, a second yeah. kind, of, kind of races and then it went, so. would would there always be like a crit in the stage race yes as part of the yeah yeah but it wasn't a dominant a yeah dominant I would say often it's the stage that uh, doesn't change anything that's a show for the, the spectators and the venue and that that justify you know getting all the sponsors for uh, yeah. mm. the only day they can actually see the race, um, in you know, in comparison to long road races. Right. Well, yeah, I, I can I can kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. And often, like stage race, if it, if it's a super hilly stage race, maybe a team will get one sprinter, but mm -hmm. often they'll get rider like two or three riders 
you can sprint, uh, but that will be more useful in, in other stages. Right. Um, but yeah, after that, we've definitely seen more and more sprinters and sprint specialists uh, hmm. coming. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a lot about um, BC Super Week, which is. I don't know, was it like 10 days of crit racing or something yeah. like that? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's interesting. God. Yeah, and, and it's um, it's an awesome event. We're so lucky to have this here. Uh, it's an interesting race series because at the same time, often there's some stuff happening in the in the U.S., and yeah. only few riders will, tra- will travel and come to Canada. So we have a lot of um, stage racers who are incredibly, you know, and road racers who are incredibly fit. Um, but we also have riders coming from Australia, New Zealand, that are often unknown and, and get um, breaks into the scene because um. of the Super Week. So mm-hmm. it's a race that the, the feel is always different than what we experience um, huh. elsewhere. Is that is that happening in 2022? I'm hoping that. So so since you're in, in Vancouver, are you going to be participating or are you going to be like a coach on the sidelines or, par- or part of an organizing organizer? Are you going to be... It's a good question. I would like to take part in a few of the races, you know, just my favorite yeah, races yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and enjoy the show for, for some, some others. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, my priorities have shifted in the past uh, <laughs> few years and even before COVID. Um, but yeah, I'd like to jump in a few of those. We'll see. Yeah. So... Uh- so now, how did you lead, or how did you get that chance or that opportunity to become to work with para athletes? Because that's, I mean, they're always looking for good pilots. Like I had, uh, my daughter was uh, asked to join, not join. She made the cut to be considered in the Ontario program, um, and. Uh, Evelyn was going to help her. I started as the pilot. So (laughs) (laughs) nice. I didn't do any events, but just training with her, that was kind of fun. Having your daughter on the back. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that's super cool. It was, it was kind of fun. And, uh, but obviously I'm like, yeah, I can like train and take (laughs) you. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, Sylvie, sir. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, well, um so Evelyn was gonna help her and then uh she had they were able to find somebody in Ontario to ride with her for a bit until she went back to school and then she decided you didn't she didn't have time for it but um so how did you ask you okay do I have to make a comeback she needs a pilot or oh (laughs) well you better be in Ontario because like uh, okay, we'll talk, we'll Van- talk. Vancouver. Well, yeah, well, let me just make sure she gets back on her bike because that would be, I mean, it would, she's young too, so she has lots of time 
Yes. Um, because para athletes are typically 30s, 40s, like older. Yeah. Uh, I think she probably was maybe one of the youngest that they had recruited in a while. And she was 19. Okay. So, so she got lots of time, but she's got school she's taking care of right now and, and things like that. But how did you get recruited into there? Because like you were racing, did you decide to kind of make a shift and slow the racing down and or just race differently? That's a, you know, that's a, that's a good question. I, at the time, my, I was racing individually. I was surrounded by really good pilots. Uh, my best friend, Olivier Lemur, had just started as a pilot. I was close to uh, Lynn Bessette, uh, Alex Coutier, who's a good friend of mine, and uh, Emilie Roy. So just to name a few. So for me, like all the pilots that I knew were amazing cyclists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Individually, technically, fitness, um, tactically, they were really good cyclists. And uh, I, my individual career was getting to a bit of a plateau, if I'm being honest. I needed okay. to change. Uh, so I, in the summer of 2014, I raced BC Super Week. I came to race here individually, and a few weeks later, I moved to Vancouver to live and train here and start to build my, you know, my post-athletic career <laughs> cycling here. Um, and only a few weeks after I had moved here, I got um, a call from, I'm trying to remember if it was Eric van der Leyen or, or Lynn, who called me and asked if I wanted to be a pilot. And the reality at the time was that I had a good sprint, mm -hmm. uh, but I was not the fastest uh, sprinter, you know, on paper in Canada. And by the UCI rules, I was one of the, you know, the fastest or you know, more qualified sprinter um, and was eligible because of the UCI points. You need to have okay. 100 UCI points to be eligible. So I filled the criteria. I had a good sprint. And Rio was supposed to be a relatively flat course at the time. <laughs> so, which it did not happen. Oh, so yeah. was kind of, you know, the, the next person, the, the person um, that checked all the boxes. And um, the, I knew the coaches, the coach, the coach knew me a little bit personally. There's a component on the tandem, as you know, that to be a pilot, you cannot be just an athlete focused on uh, your individual performance mm -hmm. and ignore all the rest. So, yeah, I was approached to be a pilot because of my qualities on the bike and uh, you know I'd become confident that I'd be a, a good person to to be with a visually impaired athlete and uh, <laughs> be nice You're and, a nice person exactly and nice and kind <laughs> enough for that um, because it matters a little bit 
You know, so anyways, I got um, an, an invite and I got approached in October 2014. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was approached to be pilot for Robbie Weldon, who won in London in 2012. So I said, yeah, for sure. It's awesome. I said, they're really good athletes. Great. You're like... <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, okay, I better learn how to ride that two person's bike, right? How does that work? <laughs> um, and yeah, so I started with rugby, but uh, in order to, you know, qualify for, for the funding and uh, for national team and stuff, I needed to achieve a time standard, which oh. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with, but it's a certain, you got to average a certain speed over a certain distance and then you meet you have your standard A, B, or C. Mm -hmm. So that's you know, a whole whole story in itself. But in November, I organized a trial with another visually impaired, with Sean Ryan. We went to uh, Tijuana for a weekend to do a, a touch Oh, oh yeah, you went down to Mexico? <laughs> went down to Mexico for a weekend. I go to Tijuana. And yeah. <laughs> So we went to TJ, organized a full-time trial. I hired an official, I hired a coach from San Diego, crossed the border, did that time standard on November 30th. And the limit date was December the 1st at Summit Sport Canada. So anyway, all that happened. 2015, did my first season as a tandem pilot with Robbie. And then the year after was uh, was real, so I had to be fast, 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 <laughs> fast. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no Learned pressure. Very, You're very like, quickly. Uh, are you gonna get me on the podium or no? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like okay, pressure is on. Holy yeah, been with wow. the podium every single year for the past two years, and uh, your job is. is deliver so yeah bring it on that's a bit stress so how did you do in rio um well chapter two of my uh <laughs> of my pilot career is that we uh, we changed the composition of the teams in the end of 2015 so i became a pilot of shauna ryan an athlete from saskatoon audrey was the Lemieux pilot Robbie Weldon, and um, we both teams we competed in Rio, um, but we in our case we only got we got selected as alternate early in the season, but we got the call for Rio three weeks before the games. So I was an alternate and I got Rio. Sean and I got Rio. We got 12 um, in the road race and 13 in the, on the top top. Wow. How does it feel to get that call? You're like, oh my God. Yeah, it's like, okay, the moment that you dream from a very young age, um, mm -hmm. like, my kids, I did a bunch of sport. I did track and field, and then going to the Olympics is, is the Olympics or the Paralympics is, is like 
is the pinnacle and mm-hmm. now you like okay I'm, it's happening and happening very soon so yeah uh, like i need three weeks to pack no like totally. forget forget training yeah it was <laughs> almost like you know i i wanted to enjoy the moment mm-hmm. and at the same time call every single person like you know call my close circle and also everybody who were in that journey with me and my cycling career who have played a small role in, in, in this success in this achievement itself and um you know i i, I called audrey i call i call shauna i call my mom and uh it's like okay it's it's real this is happening so it was very exciting. So after Rio, so that's 2018. Is that when you yeah. kind of retired? So Rio was in 2016. And oh, 16. Then, oh, okay. Yeah, we. Um, in all honesty, we were such a young team, Shana and I, that we had our size on uh, Tokyo. 2020 or 2021 uh so we had our sites on tokyo and we went to rio and after the games were like wow the next games and how we're gonna prepare and it was kind of i was looking forward for our team to get to a full maturity i would say right yeah so we competed in 2017 the year after rio we had a really good season, um, won medals, won podium in, in the World Cup in Italy, won nationals by row with pretty good margin. Um, didn't have the success in we were hoping for in World Championship, but overall really good season. And um, Shana uh, decided to retire in February. 2018 or like yeah during the winter spring of 2018 so it's been kind of a a gradual process of, of transition um, we competed in a few events um, that summer but uh, 2018 is when my when i officially kind of end of 2018 mm-hmm. officially retired from high level so did you kind of decide after she decided you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't do this with another athlete. Like this is, you know, it's, uh, it's been so, it had been so intense for like yeah the two years before the game, learning the sport, getting results, getting the team. And then all the hopes uh, for for another cycle mm-hmm. it kind of burst my bubble a little bit and with shauna we really had a good uh, relationship the chemistry and i really feel like we had something special mm-hmm. that i was willing and i was keen to continue with another athlete mm-hmm. um, who had, you know, some some potential to access to access the international level um, soon. 
Uh, however, there's a part of me that was like, I work, like I gave everything I had for so many years in cycling. And I'm a little bit curious on what's after and, and do I have the energy to restart, you know, build mm -hmm. another relationship, build it, you know, start from the beginning and, and maybe like, and accept that hey, maybe we will not have uh, funding for a while. Maybe we will not mm -hmm. have results for a while. It may be a year or two, but it may be five years. And I'm, you know, 35 uh, time. So <laughs> it's, hmm. yeah, I, I wasn't sure um, how, I, I think if I had, if I had had an opportunity with another athlete at the time, I would have taken it, but it didn't happen. So I was sort of forced to, to transition. Yeah. And um, it's been a gradual process. I've, I kept racing uh, individually with my local team here at Pitnasi, who I really, really like. Um, and it sort of happened naturally after a while, you know, two years after, like, oh, okay, I think right now, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I would go back there. Yeah, it's like I realized that I was just, uh, you know, just racing locally and I was happy with it. So it's got to be because. I don't think people understand the magnitude of the commitment that, you know, and I just, I'm amazed. Like every time I talk to one of you girls or guys about like the, the travel and the intensity and the, it, like, just like being away from family and, you know, uh, you know, when you're younger, it's, it's great to be like, Oh, this is awesome. And like, I'm, I'm going all these places, but after a while you're like, um, yeah. So, uh, what am I going to do after this? Like, um, I can't do this forever. Yeah. It, yeah. It comes with, uh, with a lot of sacrifices mm -hmm. when you're in it. Like in my case, I was, um, obsessed with achieving my top athletic potential and cycling mm -hmm. and and I kind of thought that I would be a pro racer forever you know that I would be like this is what I'm gonna do and I will study kinesiology because that's what I like and that's what I'm passionate about um but then yeah, at, at the same time, you know, all your friends uh, who are starting families, mm. buying houses, buying condo, uh, started <laughs> talking about retirement, and you're like, I haven't even started, and you're talking about retirement. What are you talking about? So, <laughs> there's a bit of a discrepancy where we are and where like majority of friends uh, are so that at some point or environment becomes and the people that you're fully comfortable um, in, in embracing you know my case like embracing who I was and who I am was people who had similar vision and goals and mm -hmm. it 
then the world and our own our whole world becomes um, athletes and racers and the whole world become cycling all of a sudden you know yeah we become a bit disconnected from <laughs> the rest of the world yeah it's like race ride ride race race travel three <laughs> but I yeah it's kind of like okay and I'm always like how do you make your money and who pays for all of this and uh I know that you know sponsorship and teams and like yeah they pay for some of it but I'm like yeah but how do you how, how do you pay for all of it like the other stuff it's um it's not an easy road, if I'm, I'm being yeah. honest. Um, I don't think anybody says it's, like, easy. Yeah, like, no, unless you have an external support system. Or, um, like, in my case, I worked, you know, I started cycling late-ish. I was 19 mm-hmm. to 20. I worked in parallel. I studied, and I kept studying. And I, when I uh, switched to cycling full time, my thinking was, how can I work? What kind of work can I do remotely while mm-hmm. training and racing? And how can I work the minimum hours to <laughs> sustain myself? You know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I got some, some contracts, you know, some writing, some coaching, some things coming my way. But mm-hmm. it took a long time before I actually accessed. I, I got a few uh, sponsor, sponsorship as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's like starting a business. It took many years of personal investment before actually getting some, some Sport Canada funding, some, some mm-hmm. carding and and right. all of it and I was <laughs> I remember between 25 and 30 often I was really close to the criteria um, before paracycling and or I failed the criteria and I was like well next year and one more year and I, I'll, I'll get into funding and that was always that one more year that that kept me in because I was getting like closer and closer and closer but um, to getting funding from Canada? Yeah, exactly. To get like wow, to, really? Yeah, to to get get funding, and I like to think that there's more opportunities, more support, and grants um, nowadays. But it's um, it's not the most uh, lucrative choice. That for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But in my case, it's, it was an investment in my future career after right. racing yeah. in itself, uh, which mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time. So, Well, if you can turn it around and use it that way, exactly. It's perfect. Yeah. Like, Because look where you are now. Like, you have a studio. Mm-hmm. You have coaching. You have online. So you're putting everything that you learned to work and that. And so let's talk about that because I know, you know, like right now is that big equality for women, right? Like have them get paid for being pro cyclists. I guess you have to be on a race a pro team to make the pro circuit. I'm not sure where that the line is drawn there, but uh, 
yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about how you ended up. Okay. So you're already in Vancouver. So what made you decide to do the studio or was it one of those like immediate? Yeah, this is exactly yeah. what I'm going to do after. So it's uh, now, you know, more about my story and what happened yeah. when I moved to Vancouver, I started piloting and uh, at the time I got an opportunity at a place called Fortius, Fortius Sported Hell, uh, uh-huh. which was a huge state-of-the-art facility in, in Burnaby, just outside of Vancouver. And that place was a hub for athletes, but also open to the public. And it had a medical clinic, it had a hotel, a restaurant. Oh, wow. Two, uh, amazing gym everything was brand new and the place had a power watch studio okay from a partnership with uh, with the b210 the athlete foundation so for me if i were to be involved into in, into coaching and into something it had to be with something that i'm um passionate about that mm-hmm. I'm also familiar with and that I can teach and that whole concept of you know training with data training with power um, is what I learned through to my studies and through my years of racing so mm-hmm. I initially when I moved here I, I got the job I was managing the power watch studio at Fortius and mm-hmm. we also had a physiology lab inside the facility so I was hired as a kind of a full-time cycling coach slash um, physiologist at, at Fortius and I you know, had to build a team um, build a clientele because it started from the beginning so this is really where I learned the coaching in in that indoor setting because I had never been a spin instructor before and those are you know it's a little bit different than coaching of the bike so it's yeah. how i learned um the coaching in studio coaching and also how to sort of run a business which i'm still learning lots but <laughs> i don't think that ever stops <laughs> no, <you're absolutely laughs> <just right>. like... <laughs> i can tell you what not to do because oh, based on based on my well. experience, but you're probably, you're probably, probably past that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just never stopped. So uh, it was awesome. I had a hybrid role from uh, on the power web side, but also on the physiology side. So people would run the test, the VO2, uh, mm. the lactate test. They would shoot me the report, and I would put my cycling hat and do the consulting. Uh, to the athletes okay. and it was such a fulfilling uh, environment so I stayed there for I've been there for four years and then I've left to pursue uh, to keep growing and maybe develop my own you know, my own path build my own path and then uh, I had a colleague coach who had four one bikes in in a gym you know yeah she had been running her own program she's a cycling coach very established in Vancouver and she said hey 
you want to utilize the bike and get a few of your athletes. And so I, I started in November 20, 2019. <laughs> yeah. and, and I, in the gym that I was, I, I've seen a closed room. In the back, I say, what if we make it like proper studio? I'll get some bikes in, we'll combine our resources, and and then we'll make it a studio with with screens and data and create our own program. So we started in January 2020, just before COVID. And um, now we kind of like, I went on my own and I got a a few more bikes and run like we're up and running. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's how I got started with the studio here in Vancouver. Oh, that's right. So your studio is your own studio. It's, it, yeah, it's inside a gym pretty much. So okay. uh, we're located in, uh, so our, the Atius Velo studio is located in uh, West Broadway in Vancouver inside the Red okay. Fitness. So we share space with the existing uh, fitness facility that. Oh my gosh! Really good. This is how I started. Yeah. So yeah, because a friend of mine, he's like, and I knew nothing really about cycling. I was like, I love mountain biking. I love racing. I got my. I I try to spin class. I'm like, man, this is cool. We can train for cycling and mountain biking. And I got certified mad dog. So th- remember this is 2002, this is 2001. It was like pre everything like spin studios were kind of around, mm-hmm. not very many, maybe one or two or like just a small handful. And, and my friends, he's, he had a uh, small gym. He's like, well, you get the bikes, I'll get you a space. So it was in a little stretching studio. It was like super tiny. Um, and I got like, how might I get maybe 10 bikes. So we had to move them in and out. So these are spin bikes, right? Yeah. So we had to move them in and out every time for our class. And then I did that for a year, one, two or two. And then there were uh, like a, a storage space down the hall then I was able to rent that. So I, then I had, then I got 20 bikes Wow! and we had like somebody in the front, we had like somebody did some painting on the side. And so then I had my own spot and then, so I did that for a year. And then 2004, I partnered with two other people, a massage therapist, my friend, never partner with your friend, personal trainer, my sister, never partner with your family member. (laughs) And I, and I rented a studio. And so, and I got the loan and like before, so we opened in September, all my clients moved over there. We had our own location, front entrance back, you know, and everything was super cool. And then in four months, my sister's like, you know, this isn't really, you know, really working out for me. (laughs) And then my friends like, yeah, I think I'm going to go back to my own like clinic. I was like, are you kidding me? So here I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I a third of rent and everything like we're sharing. And then by Christmas, I was by myself. Wow. I was like, what the fuck am I yeah. going to do? And I'm like, 
okay, well, um, it's not just going to be spin classes anymore. So I'm like, spin this and spin that and boot camps and like, I had to bring in all this, like, you know, like equip, not a like, but my like dumbbells and BOSUs and stability balls and, all adds and up, though. kettlebells. And so I got kettlebell certified. I got BOSU certified. I, you know, and I, and uh, personal training and I was like, whoa, but anyways, I made it work. <laughs> Fuck. Well, what's uh, amazing is all the skills and how you were able to adapt and pivot and you didn't like, close the shop right away. You kind of rose and I made it work. Like yeah, I pivoted like on a dime, like January was you know, like, Hey, mom and baby boot camps. And I had babysitting, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids were just over there with somebody watching them, but it was different. It was definitely yeah. different. And, uh, I don't think anybody ever did something like that. That's um, pretty inspiring. It's <laughs> some things that I'm, I'm struggling with my, you know, my bike. Remember Cindy when she got all these certification and equipment and you know able to yeah and and get these these extra hats so i'll remember that for sure oh well it was it was fun and i think the height i had like 19 instructors wow working for me and i had front desk and by the time i sorted everything out like you know, I, I tried to rent the space to a massage therapy, you know, like, but nobody wants to work. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to work to build their business. Yeah. You'll find that, especially right out of school. What do you mean? There's no clinic. Uh, no, you have to build your own business. Yes. Like I have people here. You have to like solicit yourself to them yeah. get their business. Like it's yeah. not my business. <laughs> I'm just trying to pay rent. Um, yeah. you know, and it's funny how people are like, no, nah, I just want to, you know, get people from the clinic and be, I'm like, whoa, anyways. And yeah, so- you bring an interesting point because often the, those who specialize as coach or technical resources in, in anything, uh, that's what they want to do. It's just coaches. Hmm. Um, and, and it is possible, but you know, if someone else is building the business or, or, you know, it's, it's under, someone else's roof or another business like everyone is is taking a chunk and, and yeah and then you have less at the end time so it's kind of a trade-off um but when you're able to build a business successfully and be a really good coach and resource and mm-hmm. that's uh, that's gold yeah it's it's you got to find somebody who's really really motivated to build their own business and not coming in expecting to rely on what you've already built and your clients you're like well my clients could become your clients because we have different services mm-hmm. but uh don't come in here and expect that my clients are going to be your clients just because you're in this space with me yeah <laughs> You know, like everyone's gotta work a little bit, you know. You get you gotta start like getting to know these people. Exactly. And you know, you 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 refer to people who you trust as well mm-hmm. that will take the best care of your client the same way that you you will. 
Um, yeah. I think, you know, we talk about the racing and, and the training and that's sometimes there's not a lot of financial reward mm. um, to be right a racer. I think like I don't know, <laughs> personally, all that I got from, from pro racing and training and racing is that drive and that determination yeah. that transfers into the other uh, spares of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're like, I'm not going to quit. Like I got five years here, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, there's lots of opportunity, you know, but you just have to, but the see the thing is Joanie that it was different yeah. back then. Like this is like pre Facebook, which is it, it, but it's totally different now. Like trying was to there Facebook? no no there was like okay well it's pre-facebook yeah so i closed in 2009 facebook started 2007 Mm -hmm. so i kind of think like what if i had actually adopted social media at that time with my studio yeah where would i be i don't bother thinking about that but in any case like you know the the point is that marketing was totally different it was word of mouth there's one like online newsletter that went out to like 10,000 athletes like you know what I mean like you had to put posters up that's what it was like yeah um and being one of the only was also another benefit now there's spin studios every corner just like there are yoga and like coffee shops and like you're just competing there's so much more competition now yeah and like you and I because we're data driven, like mine's online, your studio, you have to think about how are we going to compete with Swift and yeah. Ruby and like, how are though to draw the athletes into understand that cycling skills are needed mm-hmm. to get better, not just, you know, being online, um, hammering it up on, uh, you know, Everesting every other day. And, and, you know, on the vlog, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's how you get your, how do we get our message out? Yeah. That our services are required if you want to get to the level, like where you are or like Definitely. where I was. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a little you're... older than you, but like, you know, like just to get better. Period. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, there's a lot of, there's so many uh, platform and like mm-hmm. cheap cookie cutter training plans uh, mm-hmm. anywhere. But if we go back to the basics of any sport, any discipline, mm-hmm. you, you need you need a few things. You need um, competitions or goals. Let's put it that way. You yeah. need uh, infrastructure. So I think that's uh, equipment. And another element that we need for any athletes to get better is coaching. Mm-hmm. And that it's having someone who has, you know, the knowledge, um, yeah. the experience, and who can who can keep you accountable and can offer the support that you need. Yeah. Um, so why would you know? Any athlete who you see competing would need coach, um, yeah. but hey, you no, know, like there would be uh, 
millions of outliers who would who wouldn't like so yeah it's like i don't want to pay the extra i'm like well um okay <laughs> you know like yeah. keep going on where you're going i i mean yeah and i mean it's, for me as an athlete i had um such incredible coaches mm -hmm. and and role models who taught me on the science aspect of things um on the tactical aspect so science you know Gitsibo, uh, mm -hmm. I learned a lot from them like he was my mentor for many years while I was studying um, I had Tina Pick as a coach who taught me how to win races in a sprint mm. um, I had you know those are just to name a few but I was lucky to receive so much that that taught me the value of coaching and mm -hmm. that For the athletes that I work with, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one or that I see once a week in the studio or, or in the other class, um, I want to bring them a little something that they wouldn't get just to, from a Zwift training plan uh, yeah. or the, these kind of resources. So mm -hmm. that's that's how I see the value of, of coaching and how I want to make it uh, I totally, uh, I totally agree with what you say, you know, and that's why I'm like, okay, how can I be better than that and make them realize that, you know, there's a place for that, but there's also room for what I'm coaching, mm -hmm. you know, like, so that you can actually get better over there. You know, if you want to like get better at swift racing, yeah. well, you need a, Even I'm like, I just started it. I don't know if you're racing on Swift, but like, holy crap. Like, still learning. <laughs> <laughs> holy. It is like, I'm like, because I used to love crit racing. Um, I love the speed, but like, this is like, <laughs> like 100 times faster than any crit race. Like, And there's no letting up hardly ever. Mm -hmm. I'm like, like wow. Yeah, seriously. So I'm like, this is a whole different way of training. Like, honestly, um, and tactically and like just showing up, like when to get yourself on the start line. I'm like, what? Like you don't yeah. start with a rolling start. <laughs> yeah. No, they're troll up to the next intersection. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so But anyways, yeah. So, so where can people find you yeah. and where is your studio and how can people find your studio? Good. So we have a website, Altius Velo, A-L-T-I-U-S, Velo.com. We are on Instagram, Facebook as well, Altius Velo. And we, the studio is located In, in Vancouver, in the Kitsilano area, on the, the oh, address. Kits. Yes, nice. beautiful kids. So, uh, 3313 West Broadway. Oh. My so, sister used to live in Kits when she was going really? to Vancouver. Yeah, going to UBC. I'm like, this is really nice area. <laughs> really, really nice area. Good riding. Yeah. So, this is, uh, yeah, we're, we're easy to find. Uh, all information on the website will we have a, another good stretch for leading to the spring so yeah 
join us for a bit of a tune-up before the season, but we also run some outdoor program, which is a great chance to master or, or perfect some, some technique in a really cool uh, group atmosphere. So That's amazing. So everybody, um, you know, when you hear this, you're probably going to be looking to the spring and what to do before the season starts. I'm not sure what time, when it's season starts officially in Vancouver, but for us, it's like April, May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. You talk to Joanny to, you know, join one of her spring programs to get you really out of virtual world and onto the road because there is a little bit of a transition there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So this has been amazing chatting. I know we could probably still go on, um, but <laughs> our listeners are probably like, ah. um, so I just want to thank our listeners for jumping in today and learning all about Juani. I've like, wow, we got lots in common. Like I'm going to chat yes. with you later. Um, and uh, so thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks a lot, Joanny, for an amazing interview. Don't forget to follow her and her spinning studio and the podcast, uh, Secrets from the Saddle podcast on Instagram, myself. And have yourself an amazing day. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.